How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to The Way of the Wolf. We've got a pretty special guest coming on today. I have known of this gentleman for, man, probably seven or eight years. It's the first time we've actually had an opportunity to meet in person, and he has quite an incredible story to share with all of you. So with all that being said, Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Okay. So Justin Dubs. Is that your real last name? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've always thought it was just like an abbreviation no. or something. Okay. Yeah. It's and that's what a lot of people ask me. They're like, "Is that really your name?" It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dubs is my last name. DBS. That's, that is pretty awesome. People always spell it wrong too. They'll put yeah. two B's in it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So. But. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I, um, you know, I've had an opportunity to listen to you on Henry Walker's podcast, yep. The Heathen Culture, yeah. and man, your your story is just so moving and so powerful. And before we dive into this, I just want to thank you for coming on and being willing to kind of share your journey and hopefully inspire and motivate other people and help them realize, look, you can go through some really tough stuff in life. Yeah. And there is something on the other side of it. Always. If you're in hell, don't stop. No. Just keep moving forward. And I've stopped many times. You just have to keep picking yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that being said, can you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Uh, I'm Justin Dubs. I'm a strength coach, uh, father of one, and I'm married to Catherine Dubs. Uh, we've had a, a online coaching business for the last like five, six years. Uh, we had a gym before that. Um, we loved having a gym, but it just got to be a lot. So we uh, we started we parted with that and stuck with the online stuff, and it was really good. Um, on top of that, I do a lot of uh, investing and day trading and stuff, a lot of cryptocurrency stuff on the side, and that's kind of where I make my own money and stuff like that. Besides the training, um, and then other than that, I'm also a recovering addict. So okay, yeah. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, let's see. In 2017, mind you, this was at the like the height of my like training, my powerlifting kind of career, whatever you want to call it. I was just starting to coach some of the really best people. I was starting to train and compete. You know, I was top 10, 242 for just a little bit there. And I think if I would have had a little bit more time, I definitely could have definitely could have made a name for myself. Um, but in early 2017, I hurt my back at a just it was a push pull competition in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I did an 804 deadlift. I attempted 804. I got it just about to lock out, but had a pretty gnarly pop in my back. It was kind of like top of my glute, and it wasn't didn't bother me too much. But then, like the next day and the day after, oh man, it was. It, it, I, I was having a hard time moving around, and I definitely couldn't train. Um, so then, a doctor who we knew at our gym he uh, prescribed me some oxy he got me hooked up with a pretty much just a month supply of oxy once i had that it was pretty much over um the, he didn't refill my script and was only going to give me just like some you know the ibuprofen stuff that they will prescribe out and i got sick you know it wasn't really nothing intense but i couldn't figure out why i was sick and uh, a friend i knew told me what was going on and uh he said he he could fix the issue and so he let me he would give me a couple pills that he had and he would let me try a little bit and told me instead of taking them orally he said just snort them so i broke off a little bit crushed up and snorted it and i see why i mean it was like no other high i've ever experienced and you know when you take them orally you might feel 
something some way but when you snort it it's it's very intense so <clears throat> once i did that it was over it became doing it an everyday thing and then i've you know next thing i know it's a couple months down the road and i'm just full-blown addict just you know selling drugs to pay for drugs because i had my gym and i had everything going on so i had to make sure i you know kept everything with jim going to the gym because the gym wasn't making enough money to really pay for itself and at this time we were only in we were at redefined we were had a little section of redefined's gym we were renting out um so <clears throat> i had to really kind of carpmental carp compartmentalize a few things you know i had to sell drugs to keep my drug habit going because it was very expensive very expensive to take these they were called roxies little blue 30 milligram oxycotton but it wasn't oxy it was fentanyl so i was getting fake pills and i was crushing them storing them and you know your once you start using that stuff you build a tolerance really fast and so it just became it got really out of control so just to clarify, so you basically had a, um, a month's supply of Oxy from this doctor. That's all it took. And that's all it took. Whenever you came off of it, you started getting really sick, and yep. then you had to come back. That is crazy. Yeah. it's The drug is so powerful and so intense. It, it only takes a few days of – it only takes, like, I'd say maybe three to, three to five days for you to use it consistently mm -hmm. for you to start getting – you know, getting like hooked on it, like where it's something that you you will start taking more and more. And then after you've gone a week or two weeks of taking it, you're going to feel sickness because it does. It shuts down. It shuts the central nervous system down in so many different ways. Like you uh, once you come off it, that's why you get sick, because your body's one purging the toxins out. And so it, you kind of like re intoxicate yourself. So you get really sick and you start sweating and having all these symptoms like you have the flu but it's times a thousand. And then you have horrible anxiety on top of it because it's the drug also stimulates your dopamine. So when you're constantly taking these drugs to stimulate artificial, you know, artificially stimulate your dopamine, you're messing up your brain and all your brain signals and all the, everything you got going on in there. And then, so when you stop taking that, your body doesn't know what to do. So it just freaks out and you just, you have the flu. I mean, people who got COVID, that's, that's like having withdrawals. Jeez. Yeah. So when people would describe, would you know, describe the symptoms of their flu or the COVID, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds just like withdrawing from drugs. It's horrible, but it doesn't go away. It does. It, it it does go away. So the one thing is, you it's like the first three to five days are the worst. They're the absolute worst. You're very sick. You can't move. Your body is just you you ache everywhere. Everything hurts, um, and you have anxiety, and you're just you can't sleep. Insomnia is one of the it's one of the worst side effects I get is I get insomnia really bad. So um, if you can make it past, you know, the first week, you're kind of in the clear. Like it just takes about a good week of hell for you to make it on the other side. But the problem is, is the long term, you know, after you've been sober for a while, everything's great and going good because you're getting your days in. But then you start getting bored. And then you're like, okay, well, if you're not doing things to stimulate yourself and to bring yourself happiness and joy, which I was not doing, I was just putting my effort into work and it was stressing me out more. So relapses became more frequent. I'd do it for a little bit, then I'd get sober for a little while, I'd do it again. And I would put myself through withdrawals so many times. It's like, why would you do that to yourself? But it didn't matter. I would get bored and I wouldn't be doing things I needed to do to get better and I would fall right back into it. So 
the withdrawals were not something that deterred me from doing it. So at what point were you able to kind of finally break free? Um, honestly, I celebrated six months sobriety yesterday. Congratulations. Yes. Man. And it's like the first time in a very, very long time that I've made it this far. Um, you know, I had a really bad relapse end of last year. I was managing other people's money in my investment fund, and I got caught in a really bad play that ended up wiping me down to zero. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it was pretty awful. Um, I'm still trying to recover from that. It's going to take some time, but it's definitely going to happen. It, it's Things are going better now. But anyway, so that happened, and I was devastated. Um, and the person, the main person that money I lost, he he was very angry, and I would under, understand that. And that kind of, with that and then some other personal things going on, I kind of just went right back to it. And this was on Thanksgiving of last year. And I had to be around all my family. I woke up Thanksgiving morning, and my account was pretty much down to zero. I, have, I had a heart attack. I was stressed out, and I went right back to it. Um, uh, <clears throat> so the, from then until Christmas is how long I was using again for. And I... I don't know why I did this. I should have just got enough to last me through our Christmas trip. But I uh, I stopped taking the drug a day before we left for our Christmas trip. We were going to be gone for a week. I didn't think I'd get that sick because I hadn't been using very long and I hadn't been using very much. But, oh, man, did I get sick. I got sick. I got really sick. And I freaked out, and I was trying to find drugs. Mind you, I'm at my wife's parents house we're staying there and i'm withdrawing not a good thing um so i just basically started calling all these people on my phone from my old hometown in nebraska to try to find drugs so that i could try to feel normal while i was around all these people and it just blew up my face my wife found out it just became this huge mess and she kicked me out and i had to go live with my mom for a month while i went to rehab in nebraska so that's how once that happened and my wife pretty much said she was done gonna leave me it's over i had to get clean i don't want to lose my son i don't want to lose my wife you know there's still been some things that i'm still trying to work on and improve that's hurt our marriage but i want to stay sober especially yeah. for them yeah. and that's everybody who's an addict they, they they will find something in them there's going to be something that's going to get them to stay sober i mean mm -hmm. not everybody gets to that point but there's a lot of us that do you yeah. find what it is and, and my son and it's my family yeah i don't want to go back to who i was i was really falling apart bad so i don't want to go back to that person how old your son two and a half okay and what's his name Oakley. Oakley, <laughs> Oakley Lincoln Dubs. What is it with the cool names yeah, in your family? Yeah. That's legit. Oakley. I call him Oak or Monster. Okay. Yeah. My All wife right. calls him Little Monkey. <laughs> so he's a wild man, and then sometimes he can be a little terror. Yeah. But he's so much fun, and I've pretty much spent every day with him since he was born. I've raised him, been stay-at-home dad with him. Mm -hmm. So work from home dad. Yep. Um. So yeah. All yeah, right. It's Tell been me amazing. a little bit about your wife. Uh, my wife, Catherine, um, there's, I'm sure a lot of people know her around the area. Um, she'd been here a couple years before I moved here with her to be with her. Um, let's see. She's been a phenomenal CrossFit athlete from like 2000. She's, I don't know. She started like 2008, maybe 2009, 2007, I think it was. But yeah, she's been doing CrossFit since then, since it pretty much became a thing. 
And then she was a, a, you know, a regionals competitor multiple years in a row, and she's just had many, many amazing accomplishments. But yeah, I she was someone that I had a huge crush on. Okay, mind you, this is back in 2008, and she came to the gym with her sister. I was a personal trainer at Gold's Gym, and she came to the she came to uh, uh, the the gym with her sister to work out. Well, I was I was a 21 year old kid and I was 280 pounds pretty much. I was a big bodybuilder at the time. That's what I was into. And uh, she came there. She was doing this CrossFit stuff. So she convinced me and another guy to do CrossFit. Mind you, I had a huge crush on her from the first time I saw her, but I could never speak to her. I was too nervous, too shy. So we do this CrossFit workout. She whoops our butt, and I think it was only like farmers carries and uh, uh, toes to bar. But I can only do knees to elbow. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's what it was. I got my butt whoops. And then her sister was someone I became very close with who was going to the gym. And uh, I would always talk to her about Kat and she would always present all these opportunities for me to be around Kat and to talk to her. And I would never talk. I would never say a word. I was too shy. But uh, then, you know, a few years go by, I ended up going to prison. She moved away. I ended up going to prison. And then after I got out of prison in 2013, um, it was only a couple months later, she saw a picture of me get posted on Facebook and I had my hands down my pants because I was training a client in my gym and it was really cold out. Nebraska gets cold. So I, it wasn't really warm in the gym. I was trying to warm up and my cleaning lady took a picture of it and it was on Facebook and Kat saw it and she commented on it. And when she commented after that, it was a wrap. We talked like 30 some comments back to and forth to each other. And then I finally got her number and we started talking. I about fell out of my chair in my office when I saw her name pop up on the notifications. It's Catherine Anderson, you know, talk, said, messaged you, and I was like, what? Oh my gosh. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. It took me forever to reply, but I, I found something witty to reply with. So that's too funny. I had the opportunity to, to watch her compete a number of times over the years. I used to be really big into CrossFit and trained it uh, with Scott Wells at LSRF yeah. for many many years yep. she was, was there yeah it just it was always uh, very impressive to watch her compete and everything that she was capable of yeah yeah so. she's still still got that same fire and that competitive spirit I mean she's done a did a competition recently where she she placed really really well like extremely well especially for someone who hasn't been training CrossFit to the fullest for many years she's mm -hmm. just been doing her own little thing and mm -hmm. Yeah, she really, uh, really impressed herself and me. I mean, geez. Yeah. She wasn't expecting to do as good as she did, and she did phenomenal. Mm -hmm. She still got it. She hasn't lost it. I mean, she could still compete with the best today. Man, that's so. that's incredible. So you mentioned something about prison. Yeah. yeah. Are you okay diving into that? Yeah, yeah, I'm very curious about that. What happened there? Uh, okay, so when I was, you know, 21 years old, it was in my early years. I was very, you know, I'm still dealing with a lot of insecurities as a person. You know, I'm still dealing with things I'm trying to overcome. Um, and I was very em emotionally insecure when I was younger. And then you take a 21-year-old kid, you put him on steroids, and then you also start throwing alcohol and substances into the mix. It doesn't turn out very well. So, you know, and I was in a relationship at the time, and it was a very toxic and unstable one. Um, and I ended up going to prison for terroristic threats and domestic assault. Um, something I've always, I've never been proud of, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm some terror or anything like that, but 
it's just something that's always kind of been on my back and I've always had a lot of shame for. And I think that drove a lot of my other issues in life because I, I, it took me so long to kind of accept that, okay, that was a part of my past. It doesn't define who I am. It's just something that happened. You know, and like I said, I was very emotionally insecure and the relationship was just toxic. So made some bad decisions. We got into a, a pretty intense uh, argument and fight. And next thing you know, it's uh, I'm being arrested by the SWAT team. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. For my ex, she went to the hospital and told the doctors that she had just been beaten severely by me okay you know she said that i punched her in the face for an hour and all this crazy stuff mm. well then she disappeared from the hospital mm. but the she didn't have anything wrong with her was the deal but the fact that i had already had i'd already had issues with her but in the past and i had messaged her apologizing for our fight like a week later and so that kind of gave them reason that something did happen so they arrested me on on uh, terroristic threats, domestic assault, and then they she told them that I had a gun. So that's why the SWAT team came. Yeah. They had no gun. There was nothing else that they found. So they ended up taking me to jail. I was in jail for a while. She actually told the police that I was calling her from the jail and threatening her. Okay. So then I get pulled out of General Pop and I get stuck in segregation. Mm-hmm. So then I'm in segregation for a month and I'm waiting to make bail. Well. They started charge. They charged me with tampering, but they ended up dropping her away because there was no recorded phone call of me contacting her or anyone else contacting her. So, pretty dumb on her part for her to do that. But, anyways, so that's that's what led me to prison. I ended up getting bailed out. You know, I moved back to Columbus, Nebraska, from Omaha to live with my mom and just kind of get my life together. Um, <clears throat> I fought my case. They dropped a bunch of the charges. They just stuck me with the terroristic threats and I went to prison for the minimum, which was three to four, um, which I was really happy with because I mean, they, I could have done 50 years if they really wanted to stick it to me. <clears throat> so they gave me a minimum. I went to prison and that was just a whole different experience because that was actually the second time I went to prison. The first time was from her again. And instead of serving a year in county jail for third degree domestic assault, I just served a year in prison. They'll give you what's called 365 in a day. And so that way you can go to the state pen and serve half time instead of serving 85%. And so my first number I went in, I did six months in prison. I had done six months in county and six months in prison. And then I got out, been out for, I wasn't even out 90 days. And then this other situation happened. And so I got put back in 90 days later, got out on bail back like two months after that. January 2011, I made bail. And then I was out till January of 2000, or I was out till December of 2011. And then I went back in until June of 2013. So so you went in with the issue, uh, the situation and yep. issues you had with your girlfriend at the yep. time. Yep. And then when you got back out and you got back with her. Yep. Same issues start all over again. So what's interesting about that is I think that speaks to the importance of the people we have in our life. Oh, yes. And and it is so difficult whenever you're right in the middle of it to yeah. realize how bad or how toxic this is for you. Yep. And it's tough to break free. When oh, you yeah. look at if you step back and look at it, like if you were if you had a friend who was in a similar situation and he was talking you through it, yep. you would have bro, what the yeah. hell are you doing? Yeah. Get the hell out of there. And I had friends saying that. Yeah. But when you're in the middle of it, man, it is tough 
to break free. I lost a job because I got back with her. They oh. just, I mean, you know, she's not a terrible person. Obviously, at the time, both of us were very immature. And, uh, you know, I'm sure and it, it comes down to who you're around. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we were toxic for each other. Mm -hmm. And my buddies saw that, you know, someone that's a couple people I consider like my brothers. They saw it. And they wanted me away from her big time. Mm -hmm. And I lost a job. I lost a job and I lost almost lost my friendship with one of my my buddies because of getting back with her. I was seeing her behind everyone's back. You know, I wasn't supposed to be talking to her. I had a great job managing a gym and being a trainer mm -hmm. and it was good pay and I was living with my friend Grant and he told me if I talk to her or associate with her, I'm done. And it, I did good for a while, first, yeah. you know, a couple months, but then, I, you know, she finally got a hold of me from a, another friend, gave her my number and she called me just sucked me right back in and then you know it's we were good at first and then the same toxic crap just happened all over again how did you eventually break free from that uh when i went to prison the second time okay when i went to prison the second time i was in prison for a while yeah you know, i was i had and i didn't get i didn't get just just get sent to the first time i went to this place called occ omaha correctional center it's like a college campus dude it's not prison okay. you're it, you're hanging out yeah this second time i went to D&E first, which is diagnostic evaluation. That's where they evaluate you to what prison you're going to go to. And then they sent my ass to Tecumseh, which is the maximum security prison. It's You're for real in prison now. And when I got there, that was I, – I was pretty cool with a few of the guards at the evaluation center. And uh, <clears throat> one of the guards came in the pod one day, and he handed me a styrofoam cup. And on the other side of the cup, it said Tecumseh. And uh, I just looked at him, and my stomach just got in knots. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to fight my way through the rest of this prison sentence because that's just everything everybody talked about. You go there, you're going to get challenged and all this stuff. So I was a little nervous because I did not like confrontation. I was not about to do that because um, I can I – don't, I don't like who I become when confrontation happens, and I don't like just being in the whole situation. So I was pretty nervous, but things were okay, and I ended up getting sent there. And when I got there, it wasn't nearly anything like what I was imagining it to be. You know, it was pretty serious prison, but I wasn't really threatened or anything like that. I only got in one little altercation, but other than that, it wasn't nothing. I ended up becoming really good friends with the guy who leads all the white power people and became friends with a dude who was part of like the black gangs, you know, from Omaha and stuff in Nebraska. And it was wild all because I was a personal trainer. So I was personally training the, the, his name was Monty and he had a massive swastika tattooed on his chest. Of course. It, it was huge. <laughs> and I was training him. I'd be on the yard training him and teaching him how to be a trainer and teach him how to work out properly. Mm -hmm. And then with the other guys, I, I just played cards and uh, spades all the time with the you know the 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 black crew and that was that. Hmm. And then my celly was high up with the Honduran the Mexican gangs in the prison, so I was cool on that front. I was never bothered by anybody. I ran store. Um, I was selling porn, renting porn. <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> I was hustling a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was really it, it didn't turn out to be anything like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So, and I ended up meeting some really good people in there, and mm -hmm. I really ended up finding finding out a lot of shit about myself. Yeah. You know, I, I still there was still a lot of things I needed to improve on, but prison really helped me find kind of who I was when I when I got out. I was in a much better place. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think? What do you think causes that? Is it the the time that you have for self reflection with yeah. minimal distractions? That dude, you know what? I think if anybody's really going through struggles hard, it, it, I, I mean, prison sucks. But if you want to get through some serious shit, it will because you that's all you have is time to reflect on you. You don't have those distractions that the outside world has. Sure, you got a TV. I had a TV. I had my stereo, my Walkman, and I had store. And I had I had any everything you could want in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but the time to be in there, you know, you're in there with your celly, and you're in there with all these other guys going through the same struggles as you. And you, that's all you do is you walk the yard, you walk the track, and you talk to these guys, and you you talk about your problems, and you talk about things that are going on, and you get other people's opinions and, and insight on shit. You know, just because someone's in prison doesn't mean they're an idiot or they're some loser. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of very wonderful and brilliant people that are behind bars just because mm-hmm. they made a fucking mistake yeah. or they're on drugs or who knows what. You know, yeah. shit happens. But yeah, being in that environment helped you re- help me reflect a lot. That's pretty crazy, and and I don't know why my mind went here, but whenever you think about what you just described, as far as the opportunity to have that human connection with people, and interface with them, and share your challenges, get their perspective, yeah. and how that's such a far cry different from what it's like on the I'll say outside world, yeah. where everybody has one of these yeah. in their hands, yeah. and social media consumes everyone, everyone, and it's it's wild to see like. I I was browsing on your social media and yeah. like you've got pictures of your family yeah. and stuff like that on there but it's not like some people just blow it up and you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of friends yep. but it's all superficial yep. and just likes and it's who can get the most likes yep. and it, you don't really have the opportunity to have that real meaningful deep connection no. with somebody you and so that. that's something that I've I've observed in recent years as I've started to get more involved with social media really just trying to kind of promote the messaging that I share here on the show and and things like that but for the first 10 15 years of doing anything on social media for me yeah it was really just I was a lurker. I would post a picture every now yep. and then and yep. just kind of watch the world go by that just because I'm way. very introverted and quiet yes. and shy. And and so it's just been interesting to to watch and observe when you start getting more and more engaged. Yep. And then also the way these social media algorithms are designed, it's to incite rage and frustration to lock you into the platform and i find that i still get sucked into like politics and stuff like that and i i've found that i had to actually actively focus on not engaging on anything political and start unfollowing things that are political sometimes it's funny stuff yeah but a lot of times it's just will frustrate the hell out of you seeing what's going on i realized how unhealthy it was to get sucked into it and so, anyways, what what are your thoughts on on socials? Yeah, I mean, it, it it's in line with that. I've had to unfollow a lot of stuff. There was a time there when all this like pandemic stuff was going on that me and my wife kept getting sucked into a lot of the vaccine stuff mm-hmm. and also because we're we're you know if you want a vaccine your child that's cool man I don't I don't judge anybody for that we're mm-hmm. just not we just didn't vaccinate and there's other things we didn't do. And we just chose to because of what we learned and what we knew already as, you know, fitness professionals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, we were kind of getting sucked into that stuff and posting a lot of things and it was causing some controversies. And so, yeah, we had ended up kind of like 
you know, disengaging from a lot of that stuff, unfollowing a lot of pages that were just pushing a lot of that type of agenda, political stuff and vaccine stuff and pandemic stuff. So it, it, social media can be a wonderful platform to use, but it can also be something that gets you sucked in and can really change your mood or, you know, affect your day if you let it. Um, I think if you're someone who's going to be on social media a lot, you put out quality content, put out content that's going to help people. That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to figure out right now is, you know, I'm posting content, but it's stuff that's older stuff or, you know, I'm not really sure what direction I want to take it in. I'm just trying to share stuff so that I can get my engagement up, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, I've always been someone who I want to build my social media up organically. I didn't want to like buy followers and all that stuff because it's always obvious when you see a profile that's got a hundred thousand followers, but it's getting like 15 likes or views on a video. It's like, okay, man, it's this, this page isn't authentic to me. So that's with me. It can be, like I said, a great tool and something that can benefit you in many, many ways. If you follow the right stuff and you're posting the right stuff. Otherwise, if you're someone who's just like following a bunch of negative crap, it's going to negatively affect you like it did with us. We were getting sucked into the vaccine stuff and it was affecting our mood and our moment in our day. So it can do that for anybody else. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Let's switch a little bit over to the personal training stuff that you're doing yeah, these man. days. Share a little bit about that. So you said you're doing online training? Uh, yes. So basically what I'm doing now is I've revamped Dubs Barbell Club. Me and my wife, uh, we got a website back up, Dubs Barbell Club or dubsbarbell.com or dubsbarbellclub.com. It'll take the same place. Um, we're just selling programs because I was, you know, I stepped away from coaching when I started doing more investing in the tr trading and stuff. Um, but I, what was I going to say? I, I thought it, I thought I was doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, I, I was so like, I was like, oh, I became a coach because I thought that was all, all I was good at. You know, I was not in a good place mentally. Uh, obviously I was still dealing with my addiction on and off and I was just not, not healthy upstairs. But now that I've had time of sobriety and to reflect and look back on things, I was like, well, I have all these great programs out there that I've made and all this stuff that I have just sitting there collecting dust that could be promoted and pushed and people could use it and it could help me and it could help everybody else. You know, it could be another income stream for me and it could be give me purpose again. So when I finally got the website done and decided, okay, we're just going to sell programs online. I'll still coach a couple people, but I'll be very selective on who I'm going to like individually work with uh, because it does take up my time. And I, I am now trying to be better about how I utilize my time. I, I haven't got it down to a science yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I, that, that's pretty much what we're doing. Just selling programs. How long did that transition take to go from in-person coaching and training to more online focused? Honestly, uh, I started online coaching back in 2014 and 15. You know, it wasn't really a big thing yet. Uh, back then, you know, powerlifting was just kind of getting back into the scene and coming, becoming a popular deal. Um, and you had coaches, but nobody was like online. You know, Josh Bryant, he had, he would sell you his books or his programs. And that's kind of what we knew as an online coach at the time or Joe DeFranco. Um, but so, I just took a couple guys that I knew that were strong. They were friends of mine from back home in Nebraska. And I said, hey, what if I just wrote you guys a program for free and then you guys do a couple of meets? We'll see what happens with this. Because I had guys tell me to do powerlifting. They're like, dude, you're so jacked and you're so strong. You should powerlift. Mm -hmm. 
So I kind of got into it. I started learning about it and dabbling with it in 2013. I actually was on, I was actually starting to dabble with it in 2000. It was still, it was 2012 and 2013 when I was on the prison yard. I got sent to work release and I started using the weight pile there. And then I started kind of learning like some programming things, different programming styles and different strength methods. And so I started applying them to my own program that I was working out on the pile. And so that's where I kind of got my start. And then it branched into actually becoming a powerlifting coach. But it took it took about a year or two for me to transition from just like in-person coaching to like to like being a very big online presence. You know, I, I got to a good point there where I was one of the well-known online coaches for powerlifting. So it it, it just kind of started, just, just started coaching people for free. And what is that? process look like if i were to come to you and say hey i want your programming i want you to coach me as an online coach walk me through what that process looks like. i've never done anything like yeah. that and i'm just kind of curious as to is it hey here's your program good luck or do you have weekly updates it or like how does that be. work it could be um depending on like you know different coaches have different packages that they'll present or whatever mm -hmm. like with me you can sign up individually and that's where we would talk every weekend mm -hmm. or you know you could message honestly clients just message me whenever and i try to get back to them as you know as fast as i can um but that that would be more where they would message you once a week. You get your program for the week. You'd met you. You know you check in. You'd say how the week went. You'd give them feedback, and then they'd make adjustments to the program, and then they'd get there next week. Um, some guys give a whole month's worth out, or some people just purchase a, a pre-made program that's a reuse as many times as you want type of deal. And that's what I'm selling on my website. It's just programs that people can reuse. Um, but if they want individual coaching, reach out. You know. Uh, say you're looking for an individual coach if you're competing in powerlifting and then depending on what your goals are or you know where you're at I'd just go from there okay you know? all right so there's there's different options that you offer yes okay absolutely I think that's key. yes that and that, that is key because i mean some people aren't looking to be coached individually and that's mm -hmm. why you want to be very selective when who you're coaching yeah because at i got to a point where i had over 100 clients and they weren't all individually coached a lot of them were just you know, they, they were paying for the minimum just to get a program every week. But it got to be a lot. Mm -hmm. It got to be so much that I couldn't keep up with. And then I was battling an addiction on top of that. And so I was just a mess. I would work really well for a few days, and then I wouldn't have enough drugs or I wouldn't have any drugs. And so then I'd be sick or I'd be a mess for a couple of days. So it was just it was a, such a horrible cycle of life at the time. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I mean, you it, you people can manage a high client load. You know, if they got a, if you got a good solid system in place, you can manage a lot of people and you can do a very good job doing it. I just didn't have the system in place. What was the biggest lesson you learned in trying to figure that out and build your system? Man, I'm still really trying to learn that lesson actually. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out a good system for myself, but <clears throat> what I have realized is that like I said, coaching selectively not taking on every single person out there um and just providing a lot of really good pre-made programs mm -hmm. that's that's what i've found really works for me and is what's going to help me so now if i can just get a good system with working with my individual clients you know sticking into a routine of checking in at these times and having this done at this time that's what i really need to get concrete you know mm -hmm. cemented in place yeah well, I think it speaks to the importance of having not only a system in place, but structure and discipline yes. to say, hey, this is what's going to happen. 
whether however you do your calendar, whether it's on on Outlook or a Notepad or you know yeah. however you do it, but having some sort of a system and structure and discipline allow you to be consistent. And then as you go through, as you get more and more clients, you're going to have to learn how to pivot and adapt and tweak and adjust, which change is never easy for any of us. No. But that's part of the process. Yes. And I think that's going to be key for for growing and scaling. And I think there's an allure to the online coaching because you're not tied to any sort of physical location. That's what I love about it. You can travel around you can do be wherever you want to be work right from my phone if i need to exactly that's that's phenomenal yep and that's what i love about it and that's why i don't you know like i don't want to just go out and get a regular nine to five job because i don't want to have something i'm tied to and then i have to ask permission to have time off or i have to do all this stuff just to get a paycheck like i can hustle on my own and i can find something that i will earn a living mm-hmm. you know now the coaching right now has been really slow, and so I've had to really rely on my trading to to kind of give me an income right now. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm posting again and I'm being more present on social media and I'm actually trying to get people to buy programs and to buy coaching, that will become that will start to become more consistent. Yeah, because when I was actually doing it, the money was really good, mm-hmm. but. It was a lot of work, and the gym was eating up pretty much everything I made. Yeah. You know, and then I was actually it was eating up every dime I made for for the gym. All my online coaching money and all my gym money was going to the gym, and then my wife would even have to take some of her money and put it in the gym just because it was. We got when 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 we had to go from redefine to our first our actual location we were in. It turned out to be a, just a huge mess, man. The person we got into the gym with bounced out like after a month. And so we ended up getting left with a massive overhead that we were not prepared for. Mm. We survived for a couple of years, but it was very rough and very difficult. So, you know, the online coaching is where it's at. Yeah. Especially moving forward in life now, digital world is everything. Everything's going online. I mean, er, people are working from home now more than ever. Yeah. So it's like the way the world was, we're definitely not going back to that. Yeah. Where are you training now? Uh, I, I train between legacy and my garage. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. So I'm pretty similar. I train yeah. at legacy, yep. train in my garage. Yep. I'll drop in at LSRF. I'll go oh, to yeah, LA yeah, fitness, yeah. Yep. stuff like that. I kind of bounce around, yeah. but legacy has a lot of equipment. It's oh, just yeah. minutes from, from yep. the house. And so there's definitely some appeal there. Yes. I have to say, you know, I bounced around. I used to be real big into CrossFit, went to a yeah, bunch of yeah, different yeah. gyms. Yep. And like Scott Wells, he's been on the show. I know you know yeah, him oh, really yeah. well. Yeah, and, but every time I go back to LSRF, it just feels like home. Yeah. And well, doesn't have as much equipment as as Legacy Barbell. Legacy has a lot of machines and stuff for isolation, different style of gym. But man, I just, I love Scott's programming. Oh, Scott's been around since he was the first one, really. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he was, was the first one. Yeah. CrossFit the Woodlands back yes. in 07 or 08, something yeah. like it. It was a long time Crazy. ago. Yeah. And he's still around today. When, yeah. How many boxes have popped up and gone away? It's Yes. And you know what's funny about that is, is Scott and I have had conversations around this where how he used to have so many trainers and coaches that would come through that he would help build them and develop them. Yeah. And in his younger days, he was pretty yeah. hot-headed and would oh, piss yeah. people off and oh, then go start course. their own gym. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and end up being a competitor. Yep. But it's so funny to see like how many gyms have popped up with people that left LSRF. Uh, that's that's an observation I've been I've made myself before, and has been you know brought to my attention on mm-hmm. a few different occasions. Yeah. It's like how many people have owned X amount of gyms around here, and they've all come out of LSRF. Yeah, you know, even 
I, I, I first got my start with Woodland Strength and Conditioning. Yep. You know, I'm very grateful for Tommy giving me my start there uh-huh. um, because that's what pretty much catapulted me into all the powerlifting stuff. Mm-hmm. So without that, who knows where I would have yeah. been. But yeah, they, they had come from LSRF, yep. you know, and they started Woodland Strength and that's another another gym that started from like scott's it is so yeah yeah you know i've always found it kind of funny i kind of chuckle a little bit anytime somebody would start another gym and i'd I'd go visit and support them and you know spend a little bit of time there it is it's a community yes and that's one of the things that scott talks about and i've always respected and appreciated whenever i would leave lsrf scott would just shake my hand all right man i'll see you when you're back come back right but whenever i go talk to these other people i'd say tell me a little bit about your programming it was almost like a canned response. It's like Scott's, but better. And I was like, <laughs> ha, okay. And and they would have good programming. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. There is no magic program. No. There's really not. This comes down to structure and discipline. Whatever program, whether it's, it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, CrossFit, yoga, yeah. Pilates, if you do something and stick to it consistently, yeah, it's going to help you live a yes. healthier lifestyle. Yes. That's really what it, there is no magic program. No, and, you, and people should be able to see that. You can look at all the different people who are in shape, all these fitness athletes, and you can look like, do they all do the same program? No, no. everyone does something different, and this guy might do something that he says doesn't work that this guy does. Yeah, you know, so. It's not a one size fits all, and it, it just everything will fit. You yeah. just got to find what's going to fit for you. That's right. That's it. That's all well, it I mean, is. Even if you look at CrossFit and the games, you know they're not all following the same programming. No, they're no. all doing all sorts of crazy they all different got their stuff. Own program or whatever, or whose program they're following. It's all different. Yeah, it's all different. Yeah, and then you see, I mean, you can see that in the results of the different competitions. Yeah. Somebody may get first place in one, and then fifteenth in the yes. next one. Yes, one may be a max effort deadlift or you know, whatever it may be. You can see the strengths and weaknesses yes. now aside from like matt frazier and you know there's certain <laughs> few tia yeah, yeah. There, there's certain people that you're just like good god wow freaking machine yeah phenomenal yeah and that was even going back to the rich froning days you know oh, he, yeah. he won consecutively but one of the things that i did notice and observe as far as a differentiator between him and matt is rich would come in and he would be he would rank pretty highly in most of the the events that he would compete in every now and then he'd be like 20 18 something like that but he just consistently was in in the higher ranks and then as the days went on he just seemed to consistently stay up towards the top and what i observed with matt frazier just a dominant force first 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 second first it's like ridiculous (laughs) yeah man yeah and and people there's people out there that just they find they find their gift or whatever they, they whatever certain people just fall into it and then then that's it that's what they're really good at they're mm-hmm. just amazing you know and they they're just built for that sport or that yep. specific thing that they do yeah yeah exactly so. so what's next for you you know right now i'm like i, I you know like I, I just celebrated six months sobriety from heroin uh yesterday mm-hmm. so I'm still trying to focus on being sober and Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to recover from that. You know, there's still a lot of bad habits I'm just trying to break from when I was an addict. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll be honest with you, there's things that I've lied about that I've really tried to overcome. Like you become so good at lying and, you know, not telling people exactly what's going on with you because you don't, you're always trying to live a double life. And so, you know, it's like I've caught myself and I've been caught lying about stupid shit. And it's really affected my myself, 
how I viewed myself and has affected my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, I'm still trying to rebuild myself and break bad habits and become a man that, become a man of honor, become a man that's reliable, someone that I, I can look at myself in the mirror and be like, I really love who you're becoming. You know, that's what I'm really trying to work on right now. And, you know, like I said, with the fitness business, me rebuilding that is one step closer to becoming someone I can look at and love. Mm -hmm. Because when I wasn't putting effort into all that stuff and I wasn't putting effort into being a good person, I could not look at myself in the mirror. I hated who I was. So moving forward, what's for me is trying to find love accepting what I went through, accepting, okay, I made some mistakes. I did a lot of stupid shit. I've hurt people in my life. I've hurt other people. I can't sit here and keep dwelling on that. I have to accept it and move forward. And that's what's going to keep me away from being an addict and going back to drugs or doing something else to sabotage my life. You know, I have a wonderful family that needs me. So I need to continue to improve and grow as a man to be there for them, be there for myself and be successful person in society yeah. you know so. well i think that the the message for me in hearing that is the fact that our past doesn't define us no it, it's an opportunity to learn yes and move forward yeah and that's and that's something i've definitely been doing I'm, I'm taking this time to learn okay what are things that i'm trying to get through and get past what are things i'm trying to overcome you know okay i've had some bad habits that i developed i've had things that i've i'm not happy with I can change that. That does not mean I am that person. It doesn't mean I'm I'm a full-fledged addict. It doesn't mean I'm a liar. It doesn't mean I'm this or that. None of that means anything because you can change it and you can overcome it and you can get past it. Yeah. And so right now, yeah, I'm just trying to move forward. I like Be it. Be a person I love. Good. What is the a big message that you would like to leave with all of the listeners? That no matter what you're struggling with, you can it 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 doesn't have to be your life doesn't have to be that way you can make decisions that will change things for you that will change your situation it may not be easy and it may not seem easy when you're thinking about it it may seem impossible when i was trying to overcome my addiction i didn't think it was possible i thought i was going to die an addict but things happen opportunities present themselves you will find ways to improve and to get out of your struggles you just have to be willing to have a little discipline, have a little courage, and make the first step. I'm not 100% better. I'm still working on myself, but that's how it is. It's a constant process. So, Justin, thank you for sharing your story. Appreciate that. Thanks for having just me Just a, a phenomenal story. I think, thank you. All right. So for all of you listening or watching, please feel free to – actually, how do people contact you? You can contact me on uh, social media through Coach Dubs HTX or on Facebook, Justin Dubs. So, okay, yeah, perfect. Through the website, dubsbarbellclub.com. All right, fantastic. Awesome. So for any of you looking for programming or coaching or anything like that, please reach out to Justin. The guy is phenomenal, very well-versed when it comes to fitness. He understands how to build muscle, how to build strength. So please reach out to him. If this has been helpful or beneficial, please share it with friends and family. And that's all we've got for you guys today. Thank you so much, and y'all have a good one.